Okay, so hello, Shady Oaks members. This is Mike coming with you with another version of our of our podcast. Today, I am thrilled to be uh, interviewing a, a young lady that I've really enjoyed getting to know better. Her name is Sue O, and she's a member of Shady Oaks. Uh, she's an LPGA tour player. Um, she has a long resume of great golf, including the fact that she's an Olympian. Um, we're joined by our producer, director, Josie Stankowitz, who's been very uh, helpful in producing these. And so thank you, Josie. Um, and I'm looking forward to everybody getting to know Sue O. One of her mentors calls it the shortest name in golf. Looking forward to introducing you all to uh, Miss Sue O, or Miss O as I like to call her, and uh, letting you see what a pleasant young lady that uh, we have here at Shady Oaks and, and somebody that I've really enjoyed getting to know better. So, Sue, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me on this podcast. I'm you know, excited. I'm a little good. nervous. Don't That's be okay. nervous. You've done this a million times. <laughs> you've been in the Olympics and you've all, all the things you've accomplished in life. Podcast and the assistant pros office at Shady Oaks should not make you very nervous. Yeah, I guess you don't really do a lot about yourself. It's more like, how was your round? How was the tournament? But I'm excited. Well, I know you're humble and, and it's hard to talk about yourself. But as I, I told you before this, the members at Shady Oaks really want to get to know you and connect with you. And I think this is a great way. So we'll we'll uh, we'll go through your journey in in life and your journey as a golf professional. And at the end, I'm sure everybody know a lot more about you and know the things that I've learned about you and mm -hmm. appreciate you so much more. So uh, you've had a very interesting journey to get to Shady Oaks, which we will cover as we go. Um, but before that, I'd like to ask you just some simple things like, you know, tell me about where you were born and raised and tell me about your family. So I was born in Busan, South Korea. Um and I've got an older sister and a younger brother, both four years older and four years younger. I'm the middle child. Um, and then I lived in Busan for the first uh, eight years of my life. I uh, went to school there for a couple of years and then moved to Australia. So uh, what did your parents do in, uh, in Korea? My in Korea? mom was a... Um, she was a swimming coach, but she was in the national like squad for swimming in Korea. So she was an athlete. Um, and then my dad did a few things, but um, he owned like a sports center. So he had a pool, a gym and uh, sauna, all that kind of stuff for like two different places. So lots of, I, I, I ever since I could remember, I swam my whole life. Right. But it's funny because my mom was an athlete. She didn't want any of her kids to be an athlete as such um like they just want she wanted like all the kids to just have a regular job and do normal things and then here i am a professional golfer <laughs> so did did your dad was he inspired with by the swimming after he met your mom to open the sports centers or was that mm. coincidental or did they meet that way do you know i know that they met through so my mom's coach knew someone that my dad knew um so like I guess somewhat mutual friends um I don't know if that's why my dad started it but I think dad's very active um and yeah he just thought he would start it and he was doing really well and he said ever since smartphones people the kids don't come to school uh to swim anymore they all just stay at home and play video games and go on the phones so that wasn't that good for his business, but while we were there, it was great. Right. <laughs> and I could swim as much as I want. And So were you a competitive swimmer? Yes. I actually swam when I went to Australia as well. That was kind of the first thing that I did because I didn't play. Like dad actually had an indoor golf range at his business, like one of them, but I didn't even know what golf was. And dad actually played a couple of times, but I had no idea. Um and then I didn't really enjoy the 5.30 wake-ups and then... For swimming. Yeah, and then first thing you do is go to the pool and then you're just in the pool for, like, hours. And, yeah, I just didn't like that when I'm swimming. 
So you we'll get to how you found a way out in a few minutes because I know a story you've told me. But uh, so your brother and sister, where do they live? In Melbourne as right, well. So they're in Melbourne. So yes. we'll talk about how you got to Melbourne. So, um, so at the young age, your parents decide to move to Australia. What inspired that? We went on a family holiday uh, a year before, or maybe like 18 months before. Uh, we didn't take my brother because he was too young at the time. So it was just uh, my sister and I and my parents. And we went to New Zealand and Sydney. Um, and I guess my parents just thought, oh, it'd be great if we can learn English and just see like a different side. Like, and my dad was a little bit like, we, I want a holiday for a year. <laughs> um, and wanted like a different kind of bringing for us. Um, so we actually planned on moving to Seattle. Like my dad had the visas and all that organized. Had you been to Seattle before? No. So you just planned to move? Well, my dad had, um, before his um, business, like in the sports industry, he was working at an American company that had an office in Korea. So he's been to Chicago a couple of times. And I don't know why he decided Seattle or like LA. I think it was Seattle. But he wanted... It was, we were going to move there. And then just um, one of my dad's co-workers came to visit and she moved to Melbourne re like a little bit before us. And she was explaining how good it was. <laughs> so my parents were like, let's go to Melbourne instead. <laughs> so just that like was that. a change of plan. Yeah. And you still it love sounds Melbourne, pretty rushed. Right? I mean, if you could look at any place in the world you'd like to live right now. I mean, I know you like Shady Oaks and Fort mm -hmm. Worth for 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 your career and for now but i mean if you could just pick any place to live after all your world travels it'd be back in melbourne is that right i think so i think like i really like being here but i think i would prefer to raise my kids in melbourne in a similar environment okay i think you've told me before it's it's more relaxed and laid back yeah is that pretty much your take on it it is um i just think like <laughs> Now that I know a little bit more about, um, I guess, like, just know more people in the States. In Australia, I complain because we get, like, four weeks of annual leave as a startup, which is 20 days. So it's like you can take a month off, which is quite appealing. And then just, like, the way of life, like, and then, like, from Christmas to Australia Day, January 26th, no one works for, like, six weeks. I'm just, like... You just try and get stuff done and no one gets back to you because everyone's not really working. Um, it's like That's an unwritten incredible. rule. Um, but golf business is always open. Right. <laughs> um, so I think it's just a little more relaxed and it's very diverse. Um, you have all like a lot of different kinds of people, a lot of culture. Um and I guess we've got pretty decent, like, really good climate. And I guess it's home. Like, yeah, you never know what home. will happen, but it's just what I'm most, like, used to. So it's comfortable. Right. Yeah. So I'll go off script a little bit here. I, I usually script these out pretty good. But so you're a young lady. You're 27, right? Yes. And you've traveled the world mm -hmm. pretty independently. Yes. Which is, I would imagine, fairly lonely mm -hmm. at times. But also, I mean, you've seen so many unique things. If somebody were to ask you right now, what are the what is the most unique experience you've had traveling the world? I mean, you know, different different places you've been. What, what would pop in your mind right away? Um, I don't know. Like, it's a very broad. Like when I travel, I try and find good food. So that's one thing, how different. But I think the Korea, like it's just a different, it's very different in a sense that at any other job, your parents not going to come traveling with you. But on our tour, there's so many parents out there and they, you know, like I think a lot of different people try and tell you how to do your job other than your coach because they can play the sport you know like if you have if you're an accountant I don't think anyone else like your dad's not gonna tell you 
how to do your, your job. Office, yeah. yeah, and they don't come to your office with you. Um, but sport, it's great in a sense that they can come watch whenever, and it's great that they can support you. But at times, like when you're 18 to 25, I guess, or even now, <laughs> you don't, it's just different. Um, I didn't get the experience of college. I turned pro straight away. Um, so I had my parents, like when I came to the States, I was under 21. I had my driver's license in Australia, but to rent cars, like you just, you, yeah, you can't. So I needed my dad here with me for like, few years and then my mom came with me for like two more years and then I think you know I was like 22 and I found um and I started traveling with Hannah Green um who's so now who's now newest member exactly right? fellow Australian so. yeah um so you just find your buddies and then uh try and play like try and like keep it fun in a way um it's a like I found it a little more, like a little better traveling with a friend than with a parent. But <laughs> we still have a lot of people coming out there. Um, uh, yeah, lost my train of thought. No, so so you're talking about, uh, you know, I asked you about your most unique experiences and your, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so you've kind of talked about the, the travel experiences with your parents, and then mm -hmm. it sounds like you, you know, your parents kind of because I've known you since you were probably 23 or 24 mm -hmm. and, you know, I haven't seen your parents very much, you know, and, and uh, so there's a time when you kind of, I guess, break away from yeah. and travel with you, huh? So let's ask Josie to please share a thought because she's got a good thought thing here. I've never thought about the difference um, of, of course, when you are an accountant, mm -hmm. let's say, you don't have your parents watching every practice session and every game, like every hole you play, right? Mm -hmm. But you're having an outside perspective so invested. Right. That balance is so hard. I yeah. And I think it's like with any athlete, like I'm sure football's yeah. the same, baseball's the same. It's like insane. I guess they take you to practice like when you're young all the time. So it's just what they're used to. Um, but I guess when you're a professional, I guess if you're in a team sport, you have your team around you so it's a little less but golf is very individual um so that's one one unique thing um I think another thing is how worldly worldly we all are like travel wise like travel savvy um yeah. I always tell my friends that I'd be a great personal assistant because I can book flights like just doing all those things it's like second nature <laughs> it's so boring i still hate it but booking flights going to the airport like renting cars um just how normal like you get used, used to yeah. like oh we're flying to geneva like get on a plane go to geneva play evian and then go to scotland rent a car well it's easy for me because i can drive on that side of the road but i know a lot of my american friends they don't rent cars and they use public transport and they find the week quite tough because if you don't have a car it's like a little bit tough to explore um but it's just like you get to experience a lot of unique things lose your golf club and you're like now what do i do um I guess we have to adapt a lot with our lifestyle. So that's pretty unique. Every day is quite different. So you're still enjoying it? Yeah. I think um, that's a tough one. I think I enjoy when I'm playing well. And I enjoy the grind of trying to play well. But it's not saying I enjoy every part of being a golf professional. Yeah, or touring professional. Right. Yeah. It can be tedious and time consuming and um yeah. I, I totally i totally get that, yeah i mean so. i think it's hard because we don't get time away from our work it's even if you're having time off like our brains are always like how can i do this better you know? i've noticed that about you <laughs> like constantly like thinking um yeah okay so off the grid question again okay because i know a little bit about your food tastes Mm -hmm. Okay. So what is the, mo what do you like to eat the most and what 
is the most unique thing that you've eaten on your travels? What do you like the most and what's most unique? Um, so I think the unique, the most unique experience that I've had was at Evian. I went to this really old town with Christina Kim, actually. And I think it's like, it's still very medieval kind of like stone houses in France. in France. Yes. Um, and we went to this little town and we went to this restaurant. I'm like, wow, this restaurant's amazing. Like great views. And the food was great. Um, and then I've never like gone to a Michelin restaurant before. And then after I walk out, I see the Michelin man in front of the restaurant. So like just, that was really cool. Like not knowing where you're, you're just walking around the town. Why the and, Michelin man? I don't understand that. Well. The Michelin man, you're talking about the tire guy? Yeah, but the, like they have like the Michelin star restaurant guide. And it was one of the Michelin star restaurants. Yeah. Never heard of that. Um, so it was like really cool experience. Like you know, not really planning on things, but you end up eating at a really nice restaurant and um, with good company. And it was just like really cool. Like that's not something we do every time. I feel like a lot of the times it sounds quite boring. But if, if I do the Uber Eats a lot, like if I finish the round, I would order my food so it's there when I get back if I have a quick turnaround um I mean I've had escargot but I think a lot of people have had escargot I'm yet to try though um since I'm in Texas like really gamey like meat I've never even tried venison okay I haven't explored much in that sense I've only stuck with but beef you're willing and lamb. Yeah. you're willing yeah because you've had experiences now okay so What's the weirdest thing you've eaten, though? I mean, I think... I don't eat a lot of weird stuff, though. Mm-hmm. I just... I thought you told me something about where you were at and they were eating spiders. Uh, definitely not. But in Korea, they have, like, a live octopus that you eat. So it's constantly moving. Did you try it? It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> is it actually alive or is it just the nerve endings that are still twitching? Well, it's the nerve endings that are twitching. It's all cut up, so I guess it's fresh. Mm-hmm. And they put some sesame oil and you eat it with some little egg yolk and, yeah. Okay, that's really that's good. a lot to know about you that you would try that because I, I there's no chance of me ever trying anything it's like, like that. It's like still moving and sometimes gets stuck to you, like your mouth. Well, <laughs> if you come to Korea... We'll try it. Yeah, no, no. I, won't, I won't go to Korea just for that. So. He's going to cook you venison and you're going to bring him octopus. Yeah, yeah. we'll do that one way. I'll, I'll. So um, kind of changing gears a little bit. What other interests do you have? I mean, so when you're not on the golf course and you're not thinking about your golf game and you're, you know, I mean, you have to have unique interests when you're traveling and you're by yourself a lot. And, mm-hmm. and now you've had a little downtime here in Fort Worth. Uh, so what other interests do you have? What do you what do you think about a lot? What do you like to do? Um, I don't really have a lot of hobbies, but I just like to go exploring sometimes. I go for a drive and if something looks cool, I'm like, oh, I want to go check that out. So I guess it's some kind of shopping, but not like always clothing or accessories. Um, I like going to markets, like farmer's markets. It's really cool. Again, kind of back to food there. Yeah, but sometimes they have like little things that I've never seen before. Just exploring, I guess. You um, like to learn. I'll, I'll tell a little quick story. Um, Sue's an athlete, and she wanted to know about American sports. And we were trying to have a little fun in, uh, one day. And so she wanted to learn how to throw a spiral with football. And so I brought a football and went down to the maintenance yard with another few members of the golf staff and we threw the football around. Sue hadn't quite got the hang of the spiral yet, but she's getting closer. I did better yesterday. I I got a few spirals. You're practicing. Yeah. See, I like all kinds of sports, like baseball, football. So the next day we decided, well, we're going to, we're going to hit baseballs. And so she hit baseballs and we taught her how to catch with a glove. And uh, we're slowly learning new sports. But so one of the things I admire about you is that you you like to learn. You're inquisitive mm-hmm. about everything, not just sports, but 
obviously food and yeah and uh, shopping opportunities and, yeah. and things like that so anyway i do like to try new things yeah you're not afraid i can tell no so. i, I want to try and find like a baseball batting range because golf you can go out and play by yourself but like soccer football like i can't throw by myself like i need someone else to do it so it's quite it's kind of hard um but i heard there's a cage where you can just hit balls yeah it's called d-bat d-bat uh-huh. d-bat let's see it's like i can't play it's not hit too much because i can't be too sore that i can't practice the next day well i mean people say that the golf swing and and baseball swing will ruin each other okay oh really they say that i, I never know. believe that i yeah. mean it, to me the the baseball swings more on a horizontal path right and it's the exact same pretty much as one that's on a vertical path mm-hmm. hitting a golf ball so these kids that come in there 14 15 and they say you know i can't i can't hit a golf ball because i've been playing baseball i just don't see that at all yeah it's sure it's gonna be good for your hand eye yeah so okay so let's go a little bit to your golf career okay so take me back a little bit to um you know your junior golf and and how you realized that that, that you were talented enough to try to advance you know into uh high level amateur golf which you were the number one ranked amateur for how many months i'm not sure probably like i'm not sure three to six months maybe yeah i mean so you were the it number, wasn't quite a year right and yeah. I, I looked that up and it was it was i thought it was a little longer than that yeah okay. but you were the Might number be. one ranked amateur in the world at, yeah. at you know from what age 17 to 17 18, 18 yeah. yeah okay so that's it's actually right after lydia turned pro because she won like canadian opens and things like that right. yeah okay so so you you're a junior golfer and and now might be an appropriate time to to tell the story that you've told me about how you gravitated towards golf when you moved to australia and then if you don't mind go into your junior golf you know kind of highlights and just keep going into um you know your your amateur highlights and then your professional highlights so um so i guess when we first moved to australia my dad thought like he loves golf he loves more he loves golf like he wants to be a professional golfer in his next life and so when he came to australia golf's quite expensive in korea but in australia like to play is not that expensive like if you go down to the Mornington Peninsula um in comparison to Korea and so he would just go and play golf all the time he used to come to Australia for a month and then spend a month in Korea so he'd do that every other month because he's still at the business so the month that he was in Australia he would go play golf and mom was like you need to spend more time with the kids so he took all the kids to golf and I was the only one that stuck it out, I guess. Uh, I would just sit in his golf cart uh, when he played. We don't play in carts often, but where he played, it was golf cart because down there. Um, and then I'd hit a few balls here and there, and I always got an ice cream on the way back. So. How old were you? Uh, I was eight, yeah. um, like nine, yeah. But And then I started like properly. My sister and I got coaching um, just at a driving range. And I think uh, then the Sandbelt Clubs actually didn't allow kids under 12 to join. So I started at Long Island, which is about 45 minutes away from where we lived. Um, so we just started hitting balls and my sister didn't like it. And dad and I always just kind of went to golf. Um, and I think I liked it because I was very active. Um, but in the first year that I was there, my English wasn't that great and I didn't have many friends and I got sick of, I don't know, just running around in the neighborhood. Um, and I think it was like a, like I didn't have to mingle with anyone. Like I could just practice my punning or just hit balls. And it was just a natural way to like meet people. Um, and I didn't have many, like there's not many 10 year old girls at golf clubs. Um, so I got used to hanging out with people that are a bit older than me. Um, and I guess 
that's why yeah I just liked and I guess once I got a little bit better people were interested and they would start talking to me and um and I guess I just kept going it was like a, my my own little zen area yeah I remember you kind of summed that up you said I didn't speak the language yeah and so I couldn't really play team sports mm -hmm. so you gravitated towards golf because you could be in your own little bubble right and and then it just kind of steamrolled from there mm -hmm. you know so now all of a sudden you're 10 11 12 years old and you're probably beating most people you're yeah. winning most tournaments right yeah and, and I think like most great golfers you're sort of addicted to solid contact. Yeah. There's nothing better than hitting a golf ball solid. Mm -hmm. And what happens when you hit it solid is you love it and you crave it and you want it some more. You want mm -hmm. it again, right? Mm -hmm. And then because of that, you get better and then you start beating people. Right. And then now you like winning and you like, you still to this day love solid contact. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we don't win very often in golf, but winning is still the greatest. But so you're winning at a young age, right? Mm-hmm. So tell me about your 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 junior, and you look back and you go, you know, when I was between age ten and fifteen, sixteen. I mean, what are your what are your highlights? What do you what sticks out in your mind that says I'm good enough to keep going? Uh, well, I when I was eleven, so I just I started golf when I was nine years old, pretty much, and then when I was eleven, I. The I tried out for the Australian Open qualifier, and I shot oh. like eighty and didn't get in. But I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. And then when I was um twelve, they had the same qualifier at my home club then Kingswood, and I thought, oh, maybe I'll give this one another go. Um, and I made it. Wow. Yeah, to the Australian Open. At twelve um, years old. At twelve years old, it was like my first year. First week of high school, so I was in year seven, and ever since, I guess I missed that same first week of school every year because of Australian Open. Kept, so if, wow. I didn't have, I don't have a photo in the school yearbook because, well, I do, but in the official book because that's when the photos were taken. But I was always away. Wow. Um, and I remember like I didn't know how big that was, but I was doing like interviews and. I remember I had the first tea time and I was the first, like that and my mom was there too. And we were the first car into the car park. And it's actually, it, my first Australian Open is at Met was at Metropolitan Golf Club, which is my home club in Australia. Right. So, and then um, I missed the cut, but I only had, I think I made a six on one of the par threes and I wasn't that far off from making the cut, maybe three, four shots. Um, I might have played with Laura Davies in that. Wow, what an experience that would have been! Yeah, it was crazy at that age. Um, it was one of the coolest experiences, and that's when I, I think, met Kari Webb for the first time. I might have taken a photo with her because I like saw it in the newspaper, like her and I. Um, yeah, it was just a really cool experience. I thought, wow, this is like pro golf, you know? It's what you want to do? Yeah, that you was really knew that cool. At, yeah, at that time. Um, and then if, I think that same year I won the Victorian Junior Championship at Metropolitan. Um, and then a few years went by and then I started making the national squad in uh, the Golf Australia national squad. And, uh, and then we, and then from like 16 to 18 or 15 to 18, um, we have a really good program in Australia. So they send, if your ranking is good enough, they'll send you to the U.S. Amateur and U.S. Junior to compete and travel. Um, and I never got to play North-South Amateur, but uh, I've heard they send you to that too. And then the World Amateur. Um, so I definitely got very Off lucky. And, yeah, like it happened very quickly. Um, and yeah, I mean, I went to school like every day, like it wasn't like I wasn't going to school. I'd go to school nine to three thirty, and then practice from four to only five thirty in winter, but in summer I got to practice a little bit longer. Um, and from, you know, 
15 to 18 when I was at Metropolitan, I there were a lot of kids around the same age doing the same thing. Like there were um, like a couple of boys have turned pro now. So it was just fun. Like it was like my extracurricular activity because there was kids my age at the club that we would practice together a lot. That was fun. Um, and yeah, and then I turned pro when I was 18. And so tell me about that experience. You know, what, what you it was think? tough. I think I didn't really know what I was getting into a little bit. Um, but in Australia, you can't really play. You can't go to university and play golf at the same time. There is no college sport. Of any kind. No. So my only option if I wanted to go to university was to come to the States. And I didn't really look into it. I didn't really want to do that. It just felt, yeah, I wanted to turn pro and get amongst it. <laughs> and your parents were supportive of that? Yeah, yeah. they were. Um, and then I think now looking back, maybe I would have liked to go for a year or two just so I have like a base and people I know. But I think if I was in the same place then, I would do the same thing, but like in hindsight, I guess. Um, and then I played Epson tour for a year, which was very interesting. It was called Symmetra. Right. And that was not the pro-life that I thought of. We yeah. go to some pretty rural places in right. the States. Right. Um, it was a really cool experience. Uh, my dad traveled with me and he thought it, it was like, this is so cool. <laughs> Because he, he wanted to be a professional himself. So. Yeah, well, he was like, he loves just being on the golf course. Um, and that, yeah, that was, and then I went back to Q school and that was in 2016. I got some, I started off um, really well. And then eventually, I guess that was a highlight year because I got my tour card officially for 2017 and I had a great year, came second at a tournament and couple of top tens and then I made the Olympic team in twenty sixteen and got to go to Rio. Right. I remember that. Yeah, that was really cool. Um yeah. So kind of moving into the, the kind of the next topic that, that I have is, you know, I know that you know, your your friend and I guess it's fair to say mentor and, and mm -hmm. uh, Mike Clayton caddied for you in the Olympics. Yeah. What a treat for him. And I know he's I, I looked at a bio that he wrote the other day and about how proud he was to caddy for you. And now yeah. tell me about your relationship with him, because for our members, Mike Clayton was one of my favorite people with, with a OCM. It used to be OCCM at the time when we hired them to uh, renovate the golf course. And that's will lead that. That's how Sue eventually ended up becoming a member of Shady Oaks. But Mike Clayton is a, is a great personality in golf and the golf business, a uh, great player, um, and and more recently well known as a, as an architect, but a very unique character. Very uh, um and uh, very passionate. Yeah, and and so I got to know him, but I, and I'm I know that he's one of your mentors, and mm -hmm. so maybe if you don't mind describing that relationship just a little bit, and anybody else that has influenced your your career and your life in a in a major way. So, so Mike and I met at Metropolitan. He's also a member there. Um. And the first initial meeting was he was playing with the tennis great uh, Ivan Lendl and Peter Fowler and a friend of mine. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know enough about history. It's so bad and embarrassing, but I didn't know Ivan. And now I do uh, through Mike. But so he was warming up and I was just practicing and he just comes up and checks all my golf clubs. He's like, okay, hit a shot for me. And then I hit a shot. He's like, oh, that looks good. And then he walks away. I was like, I don't know who that guy was, but that's very nice. Like <laughs> yeah. And then, and then he was in Tasmania looking at golf course. Um, and then we had the interstate series then, which is all the states in Australia play against each other. And he said, I can caddy for Sue because I was the one player at, in Victoria. And 
And I thought, hey, this guy is really scary and I didn't want him on my <laughs> golf. And I didn't want him around me. Like he just, I thought he was a very scary man. Well, he's about my age, right? So, yes. So, so he, yeah. And you're, how old are you? I was 16. Yeah. So he was, he was in his early 50s probably. And yeah. You got this guy that becomes one of your best friends later. Yeah. Kind of, uh, kind and of... so he didn't, he actually ended up caddying for a friend of mine. Um, and then at one of the Australian Opens, I don't know how, but I was like, oh, maybe Mike Clayton can caddy for me. And then he caddied for me. That was the first time. We had a great time. It's funny because Mike has a photographic memory. So even now, he will say the second shot on the, oh, sorry, on the second day, the second shot on the 12th hole. That was that switch. Like if we're playing golf, he's like, oh, that shot was like another shot I hit like six years ago at a particular golf club. Um, so he just knows, he just, he has this he crazy memory for golf. Yeah. And he, now we play a lot of golf together. Like whenever, if I'm home and I'm going out to play, like he'd always play with me. Um, and it's good cause I get to learn a lot. He knows a lot about golf and history and even what's happening right now. So if I have any questions, I just, we just talk and I get to learn a lot of things. Um, and he says it's good because he wants to stay young. So it's nice right. hanging out with young wow. people. I totally agree with that. That's one of my experiences in life. And yeah, you know, so. he's caddy for me at the UL International Crown and caddy for me at the British Open at Turnbury. Did a lot of Australian Opens for, with um, Mike. Yeah, and then I think Olympic was the last time. And I said, so you've reached the you know, you've hit everything and now you don't want to caddy for me anymore. He <laughs> <laughs> caddies for another player just for, you know, for fun. Um, I think he does everything for fun. He does. You know, I mean, because he, he loves what he's doing. It's yeah. my impression and uh, mm -hmm. really terrific, terrific guy. And he uh, let me to Shady Oaks. Yeah. So let's, so before we go on to the Shady Oaks story, um, who else in your life, I mean, has been, has been, influential in your early years anybody specifically and anything specific you remember that that they influenced you or helped your thought process you um, mentioned kari webb or i mean yeah i mean obviously my parents um they've been a big part of my well life obviously <laughs> but yeah kari webb for sure um i think i she's more inspirational the more i get to know her because I got to experience my first U.S. Open through the Kari Webb scholarship that she has. Um, so she has a, the Kari Webb series, which you need to earn points by playing well. It's solely based off your results at tournaments. And um, the top two gets to go to the U.S. Open with her when she, well, she played it when I was, when I got picked. Um, obviously now she's not playing as much, but she still brings the girls to the KPMG just because the U.S. Open dates have moved quite a lot. Um, but we went to Sabonic and I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I mean, she was still playing like competitively. So now looking back, like if I was at the U.S. Open and I'm bringing two amateurs with me that I have to take care of and just so they can experience the U.S. Open. I mean, it's pretty, it's quite big. And she would give, you know, financial support to and. I've heard that. That's and incredible. And she, like, you know, she, I wouldn't talk to her. And if I play well in a round, she would say, good round today. Like, she's always watching and very supportive. If I have any problems, I can probably ask Kari and just for what she thinks I sure. should do. Um, yeah. And I think when you're in the situation, like when you're going as the scholarship holder, you don't really realize how big it is. But once you like start playing on tour and every week's important. And for her, like when she's competing at the US Open and yeah, that's, that's pretty that's a big move by a big person. Right. No, that's yeah. terrific. So, well, kind of, a, again, a little off of my original script. So you join a pretty unique team of young ladies that are playing professional golf here at Shady Oaks. Mm -hmm. um, and don't even forget anybody, but I'll start with, you know, Kim Kaufman 
and Angela Stanford, of course, and Cheyenne Knight, and now Hannah Green. Um, you know, that, I was, when we were in Arkansas a couple of weeks ago, I started to text, you know, uh, uh, on Twitter. I started to send out on Twitter, would anybody like to take on our uh, Jetty Oaks Ladies Golf Association golf team? Oh. It's a pretty strong team, right? Right. I mean, what other club has the quality of young ladies playing professional golf as Shady Oaks does? And, yeah, it's uh, very it's pretty neat. Yeah, and, for uh, sure. I mean, uh, and I, I would think that's somewhat inspirational, you know, because mm -hmm. you've got different generations. I mean, so, I mean, is that correct? Does that inspire you in any way whatsoever? Yeah, or just for nice sure. Just friends out here? Or? Um, I mean, what Angela's, like, her career is very, very good. Um and she's still competing well and <laughs> won the U.S. seniors recently. Um, and it's, I guess it's just nice also to have someone to play with while you're home. Um, like the scratch game one game's really good, but also playing with Paul too, Barjan. Right. He doesn't, you know, some men don't like, especially touring pros, they may want to play with other men, male touring pros, but Paul has no problems. Like when Kim and I play, with Paul, we say no driver, so he can only hit four irons off the tee, and it gets competitive. He likes to take money off us, and right. we vice versa. Yeah. But um, so that's really neat to get your competitive um, competitiveness out and use it, and so that's that's yeah, that's very neat. So yeah, that's one of the cool things about Shady Oaks. I don't know how we evolved into this club with this unique group of mm -hmm. tour professionals. I mean, I kind of know them, but it's unique that it just, it, you know, we have people from all around the world and different backgrounds and, um, and quite a, quite a crew of, of, uh, male uh, PGA tour players as well with, with Paul and, and of course, Chad Campbell and right. Hoagie. And, yeah. um, so anyway, so it's something that's we're proud of us and we're glad you're a part of it. Yeah. I'm uh, glad to be so, here. So then that kind of leads us to, you talked a little bit about Mike Clayton. So I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit when we were deciding to redo the golf course and renovate it, uh, at the last minute we interviewed this team we'd never heard of from Australia and, uh, and Mike Clayton and, and his partners at the time, uh, Mike Cocking and Ashley Mead and, and Jeff Ogilvie came to visit and they made a great impression on us and we hired them as our architects. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of your connection to uh, along with So Yan, mm -hmm. who I failed to mention earlier, So Yan Yu, who's former number one in the world, uh, who's also a member. Um, but that's sort of your connection to Shady Oaks is through OCCM, correct? Yes. So I guess when I first uh, moved to the States, I had an apartment in Dallas. And, you know, trying to find a base, I think that's also one thing that a lot of people don't understand is if you're from the States, you already have a home in the States, but if you're trying to play in America, like Australia is so far that it's quite difficult, especially when you're starting out to not have a base. Um, so I thought, oh, maybe I'll, you know, stick with da uh, Dallas. And at the time I was getting coached by Cameron McCormick. Um, and so I told Mike that, and obviously he actually came to one of my first few lessons with Cam. I remember we took like a red eye flight and, yeah, he was just very supportive and um, just did everything with me just because he's a very nice, kind person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then he said, you know, we should, you should go check out Shady Oaks. It's, it's a little bit, you know, it's like 45 minutes away, but it's really cool club. And I think you should be a part of it. And obviously he's going to renovate it. And um, so then, and then I went there, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And, and then I, signed up for the US Open qualifier here. Um and I can't remember the timeline exactly whether I joined before I was a member. After. It, I think it was you after. Played US Open before US Open qualifier. Yeah, before. and I think I joined yeah. maybe October or September here right. in 2016. But you qualified for the But I qualified. US Open here. I right. did. I and that. so and Charlie Matt caddied for me. And I remember I um I was like, well, I qualify for the U.S. Open. So I was like, oh, this is my club, <laughs> which is same as the, my club in Australia. I qualify for the Australian Open and play my first Australian Open at my home club in Melbourne. Um, so I guess I, it's like a very meaningful place, right. both places. Um, 
And then, yeah, so I joined in 2016, and and then it came a little bit, but now I've officially moved to Fort Worth about a year now. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember, you know, uh, you're pretty quiet and to yourself, and every now and then your parents would come. Mm-hmm. And it took a while to sort of get to know you like we all know you now. It's been right. Been a pleasure. It's been great, to, and uh, and I, that's one of the things I hope that the members are going to see, you know, or hear by you know this podcast. So uh, it's been a treat. Um, so anything unique about Shady Oaks that that uh, that you know some people around might take it for granted a little bit uh, because they're here every day, and you're right. this is you know you travel the world, and so if you're going to say if somebody asks you to summarize. Shady Oaks and why you're calling Shady Oaks home. Uh, what would what would that be? What would you say? Ooh. Um, obviously the history at the club is just quite phenomenal with all the Hogan stuff, and it's very inspiring. You know, if I'm there's so many good images and photos um, as a pro, like to look at. Um, even his grip that's out on the uh, where the carts are and just little things like that and also I really like the no tea times like as a professional golfer your yeah your your practice and how you go about your weeks um is I guess the most important selfishly but it's never very busy and there's always it's very rare um so when you have tea times you have to like sign up your name and if you don't really know them you it's a bit awkward but I guess um Kim helped me a lot at the start to yeah, bring Kim me Kaufman, to Kim right. Kaufman. Yeah, she helped me. Very, like, come play nice the one game. Lady, yeah. Come play the scratch game. So it was nice having her, like, um, like allowing me to join the groups, I guess. Um, and that was that's a neat way to meet members because otherwise it's kind of tough um, meeting members. But a lot of, you know, I've, I'll be on the little nine and um, one of the members would just come up and say, hi, you know, just introduce so you don't mind sounds. that? I don't mind that. You know, it's like, but I am very bad with names. So my apologies if I don't remember your name. You'll get more than one chance. Yeah, but. Um, well, that's good to know, though, because a lot of times, you know, members and amateurs, they don't want to bother somebody who's out working on the, on right. the little nine, you know, and, and I know your personality enough now to know that you, that doesn't bother you. And no. You welcome meeting new people. Yeah. So I would say to the members, if they see you, that to uh, be encouraged to come say hi to you, you know, yeah. and get to know you. Well, it's really nice when they're like, hi, I'm so-and-so. Well, and, that's good. Yeah. Um, mm. And then, you know, I get to play golf with them. And it's nice, nice way to, like, you just put your name down and then the pro shop, uh, golf shop just matches you with other other members. And right. it's just, it's neat. Um, like when I had, like, some issues with my back at the start of the year, one of the members helped me to, uh, see someone and now I work out there and so it's just if when you're new to the place it's really difficult to know where to go with a sore back or just any any little thing that's very normal for if you've grown up around here but yeah I've I've gotten a lot of help from people here just they're like, oh, like, go, go to You feel place, like you've so. been adopted, right? Yeah, so by, it's been very nice. And I think that's yeah. why I really enjoyed it. Like, I was a member at a course in Dallas, too, but it didn't have the same vibe, I guess. Right. Um, but I just kept my membership because when I went back home, like, I didn't come here very often, but whenever I did, everybody was so nice. So it was just, I was like, you know, I'm just going to keep it and, because I really enjoyed coming here, and yeah, the I think a lot of people are just very nice people here, so yeah, make that, that, people feel very comfortable. I think people feel comfortable with with especially west side of Fort Worth people. West side of Fort Worth. West side of Fort Worth. Okay. Nothing wrong with the other side. But, okay. <laughs> so just real quickly, I'll ask you just kind of two more questions. Um, you know, as as you're at this stage in your career. Mm-hmm. and a successful career mm-hmm. and and you're thinking forward what you know what kind of goals do you personally have for your for your golf career and maybe even your life career you know uh that you're mm. comfortable sharing yeah i'm you know i guess when you first start off this might 
uh, eighth year on tour. But when you first start off, like you don't have like an after plan. You're, you're just like, I'm going to play golf. But now, you know, it's almost getting to 10 years. I'm like, what am I going to do after golf? That I have no idea. So if anybody has like, <laughs> some like who wants to just talk to me about it, feel free to talk to me about it. <laughs> but so far, like I still think I got quite a few more years till um maybe like so end of my career, I guess, in my golf career. But um I guess I obviously want to win tournaments on the LPGA, but. Um, just have like an impact on a good impact on a positive impact on other people through golf, I guess, like be inspirational and, and whether see how many wins I get on tour. And yeah, I mean, you get to go to some special places and you get little girls come up to you say, wow, that's really cool. And if you give them golf balls, like they might come back like three years later. I'm like, you gave me this golf ball. Right. And so you just never know, but just be a good person and be inspiring. Well, I've, I've, I've seen that firsthand. You've got that part covered, the good person part and the golf part. And I've seen you in tournament conditions when maybe you weren't as thrilled with your play as you'd like to be, mm-hmm. but you handle it so well. And, uh, and, you know, so I still think there's a, there's a nice, uh, top side for you to achieve more playing professionally. But I guess just briefly, I've seen you firsthand um, with people that, you know, under all circumstances and you've handled them all just beautifully uh, in a kind of a funny way. Sue and I spent a little time in Arkansas at a, at a LPGA tour event a few weeks ago. And she had a pairing of four people that um, none of them could shoot less than 120 that was her way <laughs> i'm pairing the day before one of them might have been able to shoot 100 and we got to laughing and calculating how many golf swings we watched coming down the 18th <laughs> hole and that includes misses and whiffs and tops and we were gambling about whether they could get over the water and <laughs> sue's doing it extremely respectfully and so later in the round i said i said this this would absolutely drive me crazy and she goes i didn't even notice She's talking to the people. I mean, I'll never forget that. And I'm thinking, I wish I could be that way. So uh, you've got that part of it covered. So anyway, congratulations. I know your parents be proud. No, thank you. It's been great spending some time with you, getting to know you. Um, Anything you want to share with with our Shady Oaks members? And hopefully this helps you feel more like family and they get to know you and you get to know them more. Anything else you'd like to share? I I think we've done a pretty good job of. Yeah, no, I think I went through quite a bit. Um, but I guess, um, lastly, um, I guess I started working with you recently, Mike, Mm -hmm. and just personally, I've really enjoyed it and hopefully our relationship can take my golf career to another level that, I haven't been to yet, um, but I'm very excited. And thank you for having me on the podcast. No, we're glad to have you. And I've enjoyed getting to know you very much. And and hopefully together, you know, we can we can help you reach your potential. But uh, I think you could do it with or without me. You're going to get there. <laughs> but I'm happy and proud to be a part of it. So thank you for allowing me to be a part of it. So thank you. Okay. So again, Josie, thank you. I'm glad you shared a couple of thoughts with us. I'm glad to have you and uh, appreciate it very much and look forward to listening to our podcast. Thank you all for being with us.